Welcome to the Victorious Life TV broadcast. I'm Lisa Boldo, and I want to ask you a question tonight. Have you ever wondered what is the secret to a happy marriage, a lasting marriage, right? Or maybe you're maybe you're starting over, maybe you're preparing for marriage. Well, we've got a real treat for you tonight because my guest, Sean Tabbitt, he's the host and producer of the Sean Tabbitt Show, and he interviews thought leaders from all across the globe on important topics like creativity, personal development, marketing, health, spirituality, and so much more. And by day, he works for the, for the Nori Media Group as an acquisitions and marketing publishing exec, and he also serves a number of select clients through his PR company called Cross Focused Media. Isn't that an awesome name? <laughs> his first loves, however, are his faith, family, books, coffee, and running. Oh my goodness. But here's, here's, here's what drove me to have Sean on the broadcast. He and his wife are the proud parents of 10 amazing children. Yes, I said 10, 10 amazing children. Sean, welcome to The Victorious Life. It's so great to have you with us. Oh, Lisa, it's definitely my pleasure. Thank you so much for inviting me to be a guest on your show. Oh, I'm so happy to have you. And, you know, I know you are a busy man, so I want to thank you for taking the time, you know, to be with us out of your busy schedule. Thank you. Thank you. So now for you viewers, Sean and I connected through a mutual friend about a year ago, and then we connected again recently. And I thought it would be absolutely wonderful to have Sean on the broadcast with us because not only is he a man of many talents, but he is a great you know, father and his wife, and they're awesome together, and they have 10 children. So Sean, you are a man of many talents. Oh my gosh, that's a given. But you're also knowledgeable in so many different areas. How long have you been married, and what are the age ranges of your children? So my wife, Lynette, and I are coming up on almost 22 years. So December, we'll celebrate our 22nd anniversary. Uh, as you said, we have 10 children. Uh, we just welcomed home a new baby about eight weeks ago. So mm -hmm. our youngest, uh, Titus, you know, like I said, he's eight weeks old. And Aww. then our oldest daughter, Isabella, she's going to be 21 right around Thanksgiving time. So yes, eight, eight weeks, to almost 21. That's our range. Honestly, I've never heard of that and i just i just think it's so wonderful i mean you're fab fabulous i hope to meet lynette one day maybe even your family that's just so awesome but you also have a testimony about your marriage so tell us tell us give us a little bit of background because this is i think this is going to hit you know for a lot of people right so uh my wife and i met back in minnesota when we were in college uh we actually both worked at a christian bookstore mm -hmm. and so that's where we met uh the first day i met my wife the first question she asked me uh, is if i was engaged or married which is an odd icebreaker but that was the first thing she asked me i happened to be engaged uh to another girl at the time and so i'm like well i'm engaged and um, she's like oh engaged or married that's all they ever hire here is guys who are engaged or married and that's just no good for me so that was that was kind of our our first meeting. So, uh, and I was very afraid of girls and the world at that point in my life. And so she was kind of horrifying to me. I was like, Oh my gosh, who is this crazy, uh, bold person? Um, so that, so that was April. Wow. Um, 
I ended up breaking it off with my fiance at the time in June and, and Lynette and I started dating and we got married the following December. So we knew each other for eight months and got married exactly six months to the day. So our first date was June 13th and we got married on December 13th. Wow. Uh, so it was kind of a kind of a whirlwind romance, uh, if you will. Uh, and one of the things we realized looking back on it years later is, you know, I came from a, a home where my parents were never married, never were, never lived together, any of that. So grew up without a dad in the home. And then Lynette's parents got uh, divorced when she was 16. And so what was interesting for us is even though, you know, our parents were a little nervous that we met and got married so quickly, looking back, we see how us getting married, coming together and creating a new family unit actually brought a ton of stability into our lives when we we came together so to speak so it was a very um I, we feel like god kind of set it up as kind of a a healing and a redemptive uh process for us to come together wow very very good that's that's amazing wow you came you both came a long way so you know let me ask you with so much divorce today there's not really a lot of good role models out there for marriage what would you say is the best way to prepare for marriage? Well, uh, you know, like 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 we've indicated, you know, a lot of people, like uh, not unlike Lynette and myself, we come from broken homes. We, uh, you know, I think it's becoming much more common today where parents just are never married. That's that's actually become very very typical. So yeah. one of the things that I think you need to have at the start for for success is just a different mindset. Just because your parents, your grandparents, other people in your families, maybe their marriages ended in a bad place yeah. and there was a lot of brokenness in your home. That doesn't need to, that doesn't mean that you need to end in that same place. So, you know, if you can enter into um, this idea of getting married with a more positive expectation that you can succeed, maybe where your parents, so to speak, failed and you can have other sorts of successes that they didn't have, you know, just even believing that that's possible. I think that's one way you can be set up for success more um, from the start. Uh, the other thing I would suggest, uh, and I know not a lot of people do this these days. Some people think it's kind of old school, but to pursue some sort of premarital counseling or, you know, whether that's working with your pastor who, who's going to be officiating your wedding, whether yeah. that's maybe getting paired up with one or two mentor couples, couples who you feel like are very successful in their marriage and in their relationship, or at the very least, you know, look for a course or a book. There's a ton of premarital kind of resources, engagement related resources out there on the market today. Um, mm -hmm. But just something that's going to put you in the position to intentionally be asking the hard questions and just going through those things that you might not tend to just talk about when you're in love and dating and all those things. But if you can start addressing some of those really hard questions before you say, I do, yeah. I think you're going to be set up much better for success in the long run. I think that is great, great advice. And switching gears a little bit, you know, Sean, you do so much. How do you balance work, life, and family, you know, with your wife and 10 kids? How do you, and now you have a newborn too. How do you balance it all? Uh, well, one, there's a lot of coffee involved some days. Um, you know, first of all, I have to say my my wife is totally amazing. She's a rock star, home organizer, uh, running, keep keeping the ship running, if you will. Um, you know, so I do have to say for her, it was her dream to be a stay at home mom. When we Aww. were talking about getting married, we we knew we wanted to have a lot of kids, and she wanted to homeschool. So she's Aww. she's living what she feels like she was called to do. So that. That makes a huge difference in, in keeping things uh, running better. Um, yeah. But for me, as far as finding that life-work balance, about 
goodness, this is about four or five years ago. I was actually, I was out for a run and God kind of just gave me this download of, you know, thinking of my wife, my life in four different quadrants. And so if you think of a, a box or a square, you know, on the bottom side, you've got, you know, you've got faith and you've got health. And then on, in the upper quadrants, you've got what I would say kind of family and, you know, personal fulfillment. And so, okay. you know, for me, I, those that bottom layer of kind of faith and health, I know that I have to consistently be pouring into that to have that foundation so I can actually be showing up uh, for my family, for my work, for my creativity, whatever that is. And so yeah. for me, I you know, it's just I have to be intentional and consistent about reading my Bible, you know, pursuing a daily prayer time, being intentional about throwing myself mm -hmm. into ministry situations, which allows me to be fed, but also to uh, feed others and have Jesus work through me to serve others. And then, you know, on the health side, it's just uh, consistently exercising four or five days a week, trying to eat well, trying to get enough sleep. And as long as I'm maintaining those two, that balance of faith and health, uh, I feel like that puts me in a, a great place to show up for all this other relationships that I have in my life. That's really excellent what you just said. So you basically focus on two things and that sets the whole, I love it. Even how you said, you know, the quadrant, but you focus on those two things with his faith and health and that sets you up. And it's true because you have to take care of yourself before you can take care of anybody else. And before you're going to take care of yourself, well, the primary way to take care of yourself is to have the Lord in you. So, right. And being grounded in that word, praise God. Yes, guys. Viewers, comment. Isn't this isn't this fabulous, Sean? I'm so excited to have you on the broadcast because this is something <laughs> different, you know. And and the viewers know. I mean, this is great. So, Sean, what are some actual keys to a successful marriage? Now, I know family is all part of that, but but talking, you know, you and your wife. How do you make time? Like, you know, just give us some keys for happiness, you know, in the marriage. Yeah, you know, I feel like a lot of the things that are going to lead to long-term happiness and, a f and fulfillment in your marriage, those are things you're probably learning in the first five to seven years. That's where you're establishing uh, a lot of your patterns that are going to be consistent throughout the life of your marriage, so to speak. Mm. Um, you know, I, I one thing I often will kind of warn couples about is that kind of seven-year itch. That's what for whatever reason, when a lot of couples hit that seven-year milestone that's when things tend to get really rough and really hard. I don't know what that is, but I've seen that over and over again. Uh, but some of the things that I, I learned early on uh, that, that I feel like have contributed a lot to our success is uh, be willing to say, I'm sorry. That's something you, you have to learn to sometimes even maybe you're both at fault uh, yeah. in, in the midst of an, an argument or a disagreement, but learning to and be willing to say, I'm sorry on a regular basis. Um, that's one key. Uh, another thing I would say that I learned is learning to give my wife the benefit of the doubt. So, you know, sometimes in, in situations, even if I feel like I'm justified and I, I, I know she's wrong or whatnot, um, I, I have to know that her heart is turned towards me, that she loves me. She wants the best for me. And so I could choose to get offended and all hurt, or I could try to give her the benefit of the doubt, which puts me in a much better position to listen and maybe hear what she's saying as opposed to you know, being blinded or struggling to look through the, the whatever it is, the hurt that I uh, might be feeling. And and that would kind of tie into the next thing I would share is just that, you know, learning to look beyond uh, the conflict or whatever it is that's right in front of you. I find a lot of times, and especially when there are kids involved and you're dealing with things related to the children, uh, a lot of times there's other 
other forces, other situations and emotions that are at play mm -hmm. and learning to look past the conflict that's right in front of you and really go, okay, where, where is this really coming from? What, what is there a root of this hurt or this anger or this disagreement that it probably has nothing to do with the discussion we're having. It's this other problem over here. And I feel like a lot of times the Holy spirit is a, is a great helper uh, to give me guidance and discerning. Okay. Is this something I did or is this something with the children that I just need to, uh, you know, somehow enter into, you know, maybe I'm not aware of exactly what's going on. Uh, and then probably the big one, uh, I would say is time. You know, I think it's, it's easy in the early stages when you don't have any kids and you have a lot of freedom to spend a lot of time together. However, the longer you're married, the more established you get in your careers, the more kids you have, uh, time becomes a more and more precious commodity that you, you yeah. seem to have less and less of. So, you know, looking for consistent and creative ways to just spend time together. And one thing I would say is be realistic for the season that you're in. If you have a bunch of little, you know, a baby and a toddler and a four-year-old, you know, it's probably not as realistic for you to just go out on dates all the time unless you have some, you know, a ton of money for babysitters <laughs> or some really doting grandparents. Um, but just be creative with that time. Maybe that's, you know, having a 10 minutes of drinking coffee together in the morning. Maybe that's, you know, being intentional about planning date nights once or twice a month, or you know, maybe it's playing games or cards. You know, it, it could be, it could be anything, um, but, you know, plan, be intentional and be realistic about the the season that you're in. You know, the things that we do right now with kids ranging from a baby to 21 it's different than what we were able to do when we had a bunch of little kids in the house. So, you know, we, we try to, uh, try to be, uh, you know, this, we have lots of babysitting now in the house, which, which helps a lot, but you, you really need to be realistic for the season that you're in. Very good. Wow. Excellent. So Sean, if a couple is planning to get married, what are some things that they should look for as a couple before or look, you know, yeah. What should they look at? as a couple before they make that commitment? Sure, sure. Um, well, I, I, on the one hand, you know, if, if you took the advice I shared earlier about like premarital counseling or mentor yeah. couples, I, I think that's a place that you're gonna wanna, uh, you could easily, you know, build build in that exploration of some of those hard topics. But I, but if I had to pick a few that I would suggest you talk about, uh, one would be looking at kind of faith and spiritual beliefs, you know, for the person that you're you're considering married, marrying and also their family. What What is their background? You know, what kind of a church do they go to? Uh, you know, are they more like Christmas, Christmas, Easter, uh, marriage, funeral kind of church attendees or are they going every Sunday? You know, you, you're going to have to work that stuff out. And I, I think, you know, early on, you could maybe sort of have inconsistent faith lives. I don't recommend that. You should be consistent in that. Uh, but where it will really come to a head is when you have children, because then you're going to have to go, okay, well, gosh, are we going to raise Johnny Catholic? Are we going to raise Johnny Lutheran or evangelical? Or, you know, are they, are they going to be baptized as an infant or should they do believers baptism maybe when they're a little bit older? And so um, really getting to a place where your, your faith and spiritual beliefs and journey can be synced up and move together. I, I feel like that's where you really should try to uh, arrive at bef mm -hmm. before you tie the knot, so to speak. Um, another one would be finances. You know, I think the num the number one of the number one things people fight about or get divorced about relates to finances. And hey, it's it's expensive to be married and have kids and all the stuff that goes with that these days. Um, you know, you definitely want to take take a look at you know your your significant other's family of origin and talk about well, how did their parents do finances in the home and what did that look like? I mean, there are people who the husband and wife have separate checking accounts and they live like separate financial lives, which is mm -hmm. uh, definitely different than, than anything we've ever done. 
Um, but you know, being realistic that you, you need to, um, uh, ha have a hard conversation about finances because you're going to want to be able to partner on that and, and not be at odds with each other. Um, and then another one I would suggest is talking about how many kids you might want to have, you know, for yeah. Lynette and myself, uh, yeah. we knew we wanted to have six and apparently we're overachievers cause we're, we have 10 now. Um, but yeah. it's, it's, it's less or it's becoming more and more common where there are a lot of people who are entering into marriage saying, well, I don't want to even have kids at all. And so if you have one, one, one spouse who doesn't want to have kids and the other one who wants kids, that could be a, an extreme area of conflict. So, um, so those would just be three, three areas I'd suggest, you know, faith, spiritual beliefs, finances, and how many kids you want to have there. There are tons and tons of other important things to discuss, but, but those are three high points I would recommend. Yeah, and, and one thing too, I was just thinking about this as you were talking is, you know, because there's always disagreements, but maybe not air. What do you think about not airing your dirty laundry to your in, you know, to your, to your family about the other person, right? Because. Right. Yeah, I mean that. I, I think that I think that can definitely be a, a trap. Is and especially when you kind of have helicopter or hovering parents. I think it can be easy to get into a, a cycle of oversharing with your your mom or your dad about your significant other or the problems you're facing. And on the one hand, I feel like we want to be able to go to our parents for counsel and input because yeah. no matter what stage we're at, we do need good guidance and wisdom. However, we do need to be careful that we're not putting our parents in a difficult situation where they think think less or think poorly of our spouse. It doesn't mean we shouldn't be honest and shouldn't share. And if it's a really bad situation that we need help, yes, we should pursue getting that help. But, you know, we, we don't want to create um, undue strife between our between the our spouse and the in-laws. That's not a good place to be ever. No, never. Because then you and you, you know, you and your spouse will have gotten past it, but the in-laws still have that, uh, right. toward, you know, then that, that's, your parents are always going to side with you because they love you and you could do no wrong, little Johnny. I mean, they, they raised you. You're so perfect. And so they're, they're always going to take your side. <laughs> right, right. Okay. So what are some red flags that people should look out for when it comes to considering marriage? Well, and I, I've implied this a little bit, but I, you know, I, I would say look at, uh, your significant other's family of origin, you know, look, look at their parents. How do they get along? Look at their extended family. If you have an opportunity to go to a wedding or a family reunion, I, I would recommend doing that because it, it'll just help you to see kind of the, the systems and the structure and, and the, the kind of the norms of, of the family that they're coming out of. And as even as much as your significant other may be different from the rest of their family, um, some of those things are going to carry over into your marriage, you know, how, how they do holidays, how they do this and that in the home. And so those are things you just, you want to be aware of and observe kind of how those systems, uh, operate because those things are going to come along into your marriage. And also if these are going to be your in-laws, you're going to have to deal with them for, you know, the rest of your marriage. These are going to be the grandparents to your children. So you, you do have to ask, am I willing to take this them on as part of my family? You know, cause it's a package deal. You marry in, you're in for life, so to speak. Yeah. Um, so yeah, definitely look at the family of origin would be one. Um, you know, if there's anger issues and abuse and rage, those, those would be huge, huge red flags. Mm -hmm. Um, not to say that there can't be healing and those are things that can't be overcome. But right. if that, if those are things that are very prominent, at that stage, uh, mm -hmm. before you're doing life together and yeah. life is going to get more complicated, 
you know, without a significant amount of help, I think those are things that could probably get worse and spiral. And so that would be something to be very cautious about uh, yeah. before you enter into a marriage relationship. Um, and then I would, you know, the other one I would probably note is just addict addictions, addictive behaviors, whether that's drugs, alcohol, pornography. You know, if, if those are things that you're seeing um, uh, at the start before you even get married, uh, you know, those are things that very likely or potentially could continue into your marriage or could pop up throughout your marriage as things get stressful and difficult, as I can guarantee uh, that they will. So, again, not to say that there isn't healing or yes. um, recovery from those things, uh, but, you know, you, you do have to ask some hard questions in the sense of, you know, when you're all warm and fuzzy and in love, you feel like love will conquer all. And that's not necessarily the case. And so you, you do need to be realistically about what what you're taking on and what you're willing to take on. Because, you know, okay. again, these could be things that you're going to be living with for the, the rest of your married life. Very good. Very good. Yeah, those are some excellent, excellent points. And, you know, Sean, a lot of couples today think there's nothing wrong with um, living together before marriage. And we're not picking on anyone here. But why is that not a good idea? Well, you know, it, it's kind of funny, you know, culturally, it feels like this idea of living together has become completely acceptable. I would say yeah. even a lot of the church folks nowadays are like, eh, is it really is it really that big a deal? Um, and, and I would say, yes, it is a really big deal. Um, you know, I'm willing to say that, you know, staying apart until you get married is actually still God's best for your right. relationship. And, you know, I think one of the, one of the difficulties is that when you live together before you get married is you're attempting to take all, take advantage of all the benefits, as I would say, of playing house together right. uh, without the covenant commitment made before God and your family and your friends. And so you're together, you don't have this covenant commitment and, and you're leaving self, leaving yourself with an easy out. And, and I think you know, one of the big challenges there is there's always this, you know, backdoor, this escape pod, if you will, and that's always going to be looming over your relationship. And so, you know, I, I feel like you're, you know, I feel like you're, you're, you're kind of stealing from what could be, you know, I think that whole situation under the covenant of, of marriage is, is beautiful. And, and it's, it's by design meant to work that way. And there's, you're just, you're not giving over your heart completely. Um, if you choose to live together before you get married. I mean, there's safety there if you don't, you know, it's, meaning when you're married, there's safety there. If, you're, right. if you don't, like you said, there's that back door and it's always looming. Very good point. Wow. Yeah. So that's why not. <laughs> that's so good. <laughs> so, Sean, what is your take on prenuptial agreements? Why or why not? Well, I, I can say when Lynette and myself, are, when we got married, I, you know, I was really poor and she was really poor. We were college students, okay. so we yeah. didn't even have to think about any kind of a prenuptial agreement. However, you know, uh, it's not uncommon for people to get married later in life these days. I know so many yeah. people who are getting married, some for the first time in their 30s and into their 40s. And so they, they've had a significant couple of decades of their career. They've, you know, they've amassed assets and that sort of thing. So I, this is something good to definitely... Um, talk about, but I would say all, uh, kind of in the same way that, you know, I said living together before getting married, you're sort of holding something back. Um, I, I feel, I feel like doing a prenuptial agreement is, is almost setting up a, one area is like, we're going to be one in all these other areas, but we're not going to completely share in yeah. the benefits of finances and resources. And, uh, you know, and I, I get it. If you're coming in with a lot of 
money or assets, you were like, it's mine. I don't want to have this potential situation where, you know, I might lose half of it in the midst of a divorce. But if that's how you're feeling, then I feel like in the back of your mind, you're already thinking this could be a failure. And so, you know, every, every couple is going to have to explore that for themselves. But uh, I, I think you are holding a piece of your heart and your life back as, as some, court, some sort of safety valve there. Totally agreed. Totally agreed. So Sean, what is the best way to handle disagreements in marriage? In oh, life? well, you know, I, I would say you have to learn your, uh, your spouse's fighting style, uh, if you will. Uh, you know, early on in, in marriage, Lynette and I really had these difficult fights and arguments where um, she was just like a, a, a rabid dog wanting, let's, let's talk about this. Let's solve this problem and just really go, 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 push, push, push. And I would shut down and retreat and not want to deal with it and not want to talk about it. Cause um, you know, I would say she was, she was very aggressive and I would want to be more passive and not, and not want to have conflict. Um, and it, it took a few years of working through that and, you know, some, and actually uh, we went and saw a counselor for a few months just to kind of figure out why are we not, when we get into an argument, why do we struggle to get to a place where we can have a, a, a good conversation and come to some, okay. some sort of resolution. And, when we got to a place where I could, you know, we could kind of understand. So fighting styles, not the best ways, but I would say communication styles um, or tendencies. And so, um, you know, when, when you can get to a place where you're confident and comfortable enough sometimes to call your spouse out, not in a negative way or demeaning way, but um, you know, we're at a place now, if Lynette's coming at me and being very aggressive and, you know, really pushing, I might say, Hey, you know, I think you're pushing way too hard. Let me, let me think about this and, and come back to you when I've kind of had a chance to collect my thoughts. Um, I'm not nearly as passive these days as I was, you know, mm-hmm. 21 years ago. Um, but if, but if I do get to a place where I'm kind of passive, she'll call me out on it and be like, Hey, you know, I feel like you're really, you're, you're choosing not to engage here and kind of, kind of pulling back. So, um, you know, really trying to understand, I, I, it's more fun to say, understand each other's, uh, fighting styles. Cause it sounds like it's some kind of a Kung Fu situation. Um, but, but once, once you, once you understand that and can establish some safe boundaries or safe mm-hmm. things to, uh, have in place to communicate, I think you have a lot of success in working through arguments, uh, in a much quicker mm-hmm. manner. But when you're, when you're encountering them, uh, a lot of times for the first couple years of marriage, it can be very difficult because you, you're just you're still sorting those things out. Totally, that's so good. I know I keep saying that at the end of every, <laughs> every answer, but it is. It's so good. Do you guys agree? It's so good. So, um, Sean, we have like three minutes left, but I just want to ask you. So, summing it all up, what is the secret, in your opinion or in your experience, to making marriage last? Uh, I would say one, don't stop learning about each other. Uh, you're both of you are going to grow and change throughout uh, the life of your marriage. So uh, the the man or woman you're married to 10, 20 years down the road is different from the person you met in college. So you need to keep learning about each other, each other's interests and dreams and that sort of thing. Um, regularly pray with and for each other. I know for some couples praying together is really super awkward and you hate it. Do that as much as you can, but be consistently praying for each other or asking each other what you need prayer for, uh, because holding each other up in that way is is a significant foundation builder. Uh, what I would think is a successful marriage, and then be willing, be humble as a couple, and be willing to ask for help when you need it. If you're just encountering a situation that you cannot break through, you're hitting the ceiling, you're hitting a wall. 
you know, maybe you do need to see a counselor. Maybe you do need to talk to your pastor. Um, don't be prideful. You know, if you feel like you need help, get it early on rather than struggling with the same pattern year after year after year. Cause once it's very established, it's going to be much harder to fix and kind of, you know, you're, you're at that point, you're trying to teach an old dog, new tricks. If you can solve that, resolve that earlier, um, you're going to be able to move forward as a couple a lot faster and a lot further. Beautiful. Wow. Sean, this has been such a blessing and such great information in a short you know period of time really well you know we say 30 minutes but just absolutely fabulous i loved this broadcast and i'd love to have you back sometime you know as a guest and i'm sure that uh, you the viewer feels the same way sean is such a blessing sean how can people learn more about you uh two easy ways one go to google and just search for sean tabbit um i've been very prominent on the social media scene for close to a decade now, you'll find tons of my content. Or if you'd like a more direct way that's going to be a, a, a bit less haphazard, uh, just go to my website, seantabbitt.com. It has my contact information there. Uh, I've got 300, as of today, 395 podcast episodes uh, are there. And so if you want to connect with me, find out more about me, uh, that's a good place to start. But I'm on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all the normal social media spots. So Follow me, you know, join with me in my love of running coffee and books and let's have some fun together. Excellent. Sean, thank you so much for being our guest tonight. And if you, you know, thanks for tuning in tonight. And if this has been a blessing to you tonight, share this on your social media everywhere you can. Tag a friend, just share this because people need to know how to have successful relationships and how to be happy in marriage and how to prepare for marriage. So thank you for watching the Victorious Life broadcast, and I'll see you again real soon. Thank you so much. God bless you, and good night.